hope you're tucked in. Because you are now in bed with Dr. Sue. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to In Bed with Dr. Sue. I'm your host, Sue Storm. And man, do we have a jam-packed show to bring you tonight. In just a few minutes, I'll be joined by my guests, Sadie Sin and Mistress Marguerite, and we'll be chatting all about intersex. What is it? What does it mean? And most importantly, how can we support folks who identify with being intersex? Now, I know you guys are probably going to have questions, and if you do, no big deal. Give us a call. That's what we're here for. 657-383-0031 is the phone number. But first, we have a few announcements to make. Uh, first of all, ladies, if you're going to be appearing at or sessioning at DomCon LA in May, head to InBedWithDrSue.com and click on the link at the top that says DomCon 2018. And you can fill out a quick form to get yourself promoted both here on the show and on the website so that all the submissive boys and girls can find you and book a session. So head to the site and look for DomCon LA 2018 in the menu. It's right at the top of the page. Just like Mistress Mia Dark did. Mistress Mia is going to be on next month's In Bed. Um, We're going to be discussing giantess fetish along with race play. And we're even going to sprinkle some corporal punishment in there. So, just to make it a little bit extra sweet. Um, anyways, you can hear, obviously, Mistress Mia Dark on the March 20th show right here on In Bed, and then head to DomCon May 9th to the 13th and get yourself a session with this legendary Dom. Congratulations goes out to Anna's Your Escape. Yay, Anna! Um, Anna has reached 100 feedback responses on her Night Flirt profile in just over five months. That's how you kick it, bitch. This is the start of a great business for you. You just keep grinding, baby. And gentlemen, I suggest you hit up Anna on Twitter and Night Flirt, both the same. Anna's your escape. That's all you got to type in. Very simple. So congratulations to Anna. Uh, oh, my God, wait till you, I, I'm thrilled because I did a bit of a poll on Twitter and we kind of came up with a way of doing birthdays because I just thought there must be a better way of doing birthdays. So I'm excited to announce that we have a whole bunch of birthdays on the show today. Our next show is March the 20th. So if you have a birthday between now, like March, the tw- or, yeah, birthday between now and March, no, what am I saying? March 20th to April the 17th, because that'll be the show after that, get your birthdays in, go to inbedwithdrsue.com, click on the link in the menu, I put another one up there right by DomCon, and it says birthdays, and if you just click on birthdays, You can register your birthday and your wish list, and we'll promote it right here on the show and on the site. So again, you'll be able to, I'm hoping to compile like this huge master list of birthdays, so that way we have them all in one place. And if you want to know where your favorite mistress's wish list is, we'll be able to have a place to go to. So we're starting slow, 
And right now you'll just see February and March up there, and I'm quite sure we're going to have a lot more going up. So go ahead and hit up InBedWithDrSue.com and click on Birthdays and register your birthday and your wish list and your Twitter account so that we can always wish you a happy birthday. Sort of like when I was doing Magical Wish List Fairy a couple years ago until some nasty bitch decided that the fairy's Twitter account should be shut down because she was pissed. She wasn't being promoted when all she had to do was sign up like everybody else, but whatever, women. Anywho, hopefully, once we have the master list, it's going to make things a lot better. So, we got birthdays to do today. Yay! Oh, see, that's too low now. I can't get these levels good in here, I'm telling you. Okay, so happy birthday goes out. We have a belated birthday going out to Siren Reina. Hi, Siren. Hers was February the 17th. Happy birthday goes out to Siren. We also have Mistress Chloe Rose, whose birthday is today. Happy birthday, Chloe Rose. We also have tomorrow, it's Nixie's birthday. Tequila Mockingbird is February the 22nd. We have a lot on the 22nd. We have Mistress Mimic on, the 20, on February 22nd. We have Siren Sarah on February 22nd. We have Mistress Renee on February the 23rd. Chloe Parker, February 27th. Nick, March the 1st. Ms. Polly Bell is March the 4th. Our very own Mindy Madison, of course, her birthday, March the 10th. Mimi Shava, lucky Mimi, gets hers on the luckiest day of the year, March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, you lucky devil. And of course, Mistress Kitty is March the 18th. So thank you, ladies, for submitting your birthdays. And remember, like I said, if you want to get your birthday going on and get it on the show, most definitely go to InBedWithDrSue.com and just fill out the form up by the birthdays. And we'll be right back after this. I hear you're looking for a good mind fuck. That's my specialty. I love twisting and turning boys and wrapping them around my little finger. What I do is I take time to get to know you on a level that you may not have experienced before. At first it's subtle, and then we get a little deeper and a little darker. I get under your skin and I get in your head, and before you know it, you're craving me. You're craving the things that I offer you on a level that has begun to keep you awake at night. I know, it's a little scary. Who am I? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. I'm Mistress Peyton. Peyton will break you. The Sensual Domination Mistress. And you, you can find me at sensualdominationmistress.com. Talk soon, naughty one. Well, come on. Let's see it. Drop your pants. Show us what you have to offer. <laughs> Isn't that all? At RateMyTinyPenis.com, your pendic will be seen by hundreds of unique visitors each day. 
all of whom have the ability to rate your tiny member and leave a comment to tell you exactly what they think of it. Can you imagine the humiliation and exposure you'll experience? Well, why just imagine it when you can make it a reality? And the best part? Everything is 100% free. You're welcome, Shrimp Dick. Now go on over to Rate My Tiny Penis right now and submit us your most pitiful, disgusting dick pic for all the world to see. This message is for Flirts on Night Flirt, who would like to have exclusively designed listings, but don't know how to code. My name is Robin Wildheart, and I've been active on Night Flirt since 2008. Back when I started, I didn't know anyone who did coding for flirts, so I learned how to do it myself. Now, I provide a service that does all the coding for you. Just send me a message and I'll explain how easy and affordable it is to get all your coding done for you. Stop worrying and get fast, friendly service. Satisfaction guaranteed. You won't make any payments until you're completely satisfied with how your listing looks. Get in touch with Robin Wildheart on Nightflirt, Twitter, or FetLife. The sooner you send me that message, the sooner you'll get that attention-grabbing listing. Perfection does exist, and my name is Mistress Kiara. I've been a professional dominatrix for over 12 years, so I know all of the right buttons to push to make you melt for me. I'm well known for my love of blackmail, hypnosis, and financial domination, but my other favorite fetishes include foot worship, impact play of any kind, specification and feminization, anal training, bondage, Humiliation, including small penis humiliation, cock and ball torture, forced intoxication, chastity and key holding, tease and denial, and fetish wrestling and boxing. Serve me in person in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area, or on my website, mrskiarasdungeon.com, where I offer phone, cam, and instant messaging sessions, as well as over 100 clips for you to purchase. What are you waiting for? And we're back. I want to say a quick hi to... Master Blackrod, who's listening in. Hello, Master Blackrod, for his first listen. And hi to our friend, Cocky DeHomo, who I know is going to be listening in probably tomorrow. I think he fell asleep by now. And hi to DC Dominatrixes. I love you guys. They're just so very um, supportive. That's I love those guys. Anywho, we're going to move on really quickly to what's on your mind. And I have a couple of issues that I'm going to quickly discuss before we get to the main course of tonight's show. And remember, you guys can get your thoughts on what's on your mind, too, you know. You can write into the show. You can call us anytime with anything that's driving you shit crazy or even something you're happy about. Actually, that would be more fun. Um, Tonight, though, I'm going to quickly recap something that's come up every couple of years or so, and that is, who is Dr. Sue? I get confused with two other women who do sex therapy who are online and on the radio. One is retired, and that's Sue Johansson. She is 87 years old. Let's give this woman a break. Um, You'll remember her from the show Sex with Sue. She started out in Toronto on Q107 back in the late 70s on the Sunday night sex show. And I used to listen to her. I I thought she was fabulous. It was on Sunday nights at um, midnight. And we used to just just lie in bed listening to the show. It was awesome. 
um, Sue trailblazed talking openly about sexual issues. Like it, her show really was trailblazing. Um, her show became syndicated, and that's how the rest of the world found out who she was. Like I said, she's 87 now. She's retired. I am not Sue Johansson, nor have I ever purported to be her, although some people have accused me of ripping her off. I have never done so. Would I call her a mentor? Yes. I loved her show. I loved her candor. However, Sue Johansson, keep in mind, never claimed to be a doctor. She was, um, her claim was that of being a sexual educator, not unlike myself. Another lady who is in the sex therapy game is Dr. Susie Block. Dr. Susie has her own YouTube show and works a lot within the porn industry. You'll know Susie by her wacky hats. She wears these really funky hats. So let's put this to bed, hopefully, for another few years <laughs> um, so that people can stop being disappointed when they find out that I'm not one of those two people and stop the accusations being flung at me because it's so weird. It, just, it seems to come in these weird little waves where it's like I, everybody goes along fine, they know who I am, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, when it, that isn't who I thought you were. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just imagine, it's, it's got to be like the whole Ryan Gosling, Ryan, whatever, Ryan Reynolds thing. Anyway, so I just want to make sure that we are getting this clear. I am Sue Storm. I am not a comic book character, although some people think of that. Um, I am not Sue Johansson. I'm not Susie Block. I can't help the fact that my mother named me Susan, as did many mothers during that time period. I was actually named after the actress Susan Peters. Apparently, there was an actress Susan Peters back in the 30s and 40s, uh, because that was my maiden name. So I can't help it that a bunch of Susans got into the sexual education game. I, however, the difference being, I am a fetish educator. I have degrees in sexual therapy and counseling, but I don't do general sexual therapy for the most part. I only deal with fetish and BDSM. So just remember us this way. Sue Johansson's retired. Susie Block wears hats and does sex therapy. And I only deal in fetish. It's the easier way to keep the three of us straight. So if we're good now, cool. I have a hard enough time being me. I don't need to claim to be someone else. So let's hopefully we're all good now. And let's put this to bed again for a little while. Anyways, the other thing that I wanted to bring up tonight, which is pertinent to what we're going to be discussing shortly with Sadie and Marguerite, and I want to talk about difference. We spend our whole lives trying to fit into other people's standards, their morals, their opinions. All of those things are fluid. Opinions, standards, and morals change. And I'm often asked, I, I, this is honestly one of the most common things I get asked, is what I like normal? Am I normal? But let me ask you something. What is normal? Because my normal is going to be different from yours. And both of ours are going to be different from the dude down the street. So no matter when you go or what you do, there is difference everywhere. Okay, no two things, people, things, anything, people, plants, whatever. There are no two things the same on this planet. Even twins are not the same. Even parts coming off of an assembly line are not the same. So why do we spend so much of our time trying to be the same? 
Why do we constantly compare ourselves to anyone or anything when no matter what, we will always be different? And it's in our constant striving to be like everyone else that we become disconnected and unhappy. Women trying to achieve the perfect body, when if you just wait long enough, the shit changes. There was a time when bitches like Kim Kardashian, I say bitches, understand, you guys got to get used to the fact I say bitch, I say it nicely, and I'm not being mean. I use that. I actually claim that word quite proudly. Anyways, um, but like chicks like Kim Kardashian and Black China, and yes, sorry, I have to do a quick sidelight. I did see the video yesterday that was released on Twitter, which was kind of nasty. Anyways, can I just make one quick point? There was a lot of nasty comments made about Black China's video yesterday on Twitter about the fact that she didn't seem to be really into the blowjob because it was a sex re- thing. For those of you that don't know, it was a sex tape release. Somebody released this. I personally think it was probably her, but regardless. Um, the big the big to-do was the fact that she wasn't into doing this blowjob that she was doing. <laughs> and if you take a look at his dick, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this. Did it ever occur to you that it, she wasn't into his dick? Because there really wasn't much dick there. So, you know, maybe she just wasn't into it. Anyways, that was one skinny-ass dick, my friend. Anyways, I don't know. If I was Michi, I wouldn't have admitted it was me in the clip, but whatever. Anyways, I digress. But you see what I'm saying? These women with these gigantic asses not that long ago would have been thrown to the wolves for being fat. Give it another few years and the whole waist thing will come back. Instead of trying to fit in, why not try to just be you? Our society has a very unhealthy, and I'll go so far as to say sick obsession with how each of us fucks. Because it's really disgusting when you look at how truly preoccupied we are as a species about who and how we fuck. People die over this. Absolutely ridiculous. We as humans will actually kill someone because they don't fuck the people we think they should or they don't fuck the way we think they should. I'm sorry, you stick your dick in a butt, you have to die. I sometimes feel like I'm the only one who sees the absurdity of this captivation with fucking. There are males of our species who actually fear other males who stick their dicks in other guys' butts. Why? They're not doing it to you. What the sweet fuck do we care how anyone fucks? What do you care if they consider themselves gay, straight, bi, poly, pan, transgender, fluid, intersex, or a fucking unicorn? For the love of God, I beg you to please stop thinking this way. No matter what you do, you are different. And that's a good thing. Because we're all different. We all fuck differently. We all look differently. We all feel differently. And we all see differently. If everything was the same, there would be no growth. Nothing would change. So in order for there to be change and growth, there has to be difference. I like this shit, but I don't like that. But that should never be forced on someone because I like different shit. You realize when you really sit down and think of it, we are a bunch of idiots trying to fit square pegs into round holes instead of just creating square holes. 
over and over and over, all day, every day, we are told what to think, how to feel, and how if you don't do these things, you're wrong. This is the shit that causes suicide. You're not doing it wrong. You never were, and you never will. You're doing it your way, which is the right way for you. What someone else thinks is so irrelevant to who you are, it's unreal. It's simply an opinion, and we already established that those change. Now, I know it's not going to happen in my lifetime, but one day I'd like to see everyone let go of how we have sex or who we have it with. Embrace your differences, my pets. Because you can't be the same no matter what you do anyways. It's a losing battle. And one that really isn't worth winning. Each and every person listening to me right now or later, I want you to understand that you are unique. You are talented. And you are loved. We'll be right back with Sadie and Marguerite in just a moment. What up, y'all? This is K2 Kaki. You're in bed with Dr. Sue. Check out my latest mixtape, The Awful Truth, at cacavelli.bandcamp.com. That's Cacavelli with one L. I pull up and I You fool, 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 fool. I know what you did. I have proof. I have pictures, and I have all of your information. You're going to pay me, or everyone's going to know. Think you can handle real blackmail from a real blackmail mistress? Go to www.blackmailfetish.com and find out. I know I'll see you there. And so will everyone else, unless you keep me happy. You don't have the balls. <laughs> Whether you'd like to explore the idea of becoming a phone sex operator or are looking to begin or even expand your independent phone sex business, Lynn of Phone Sex Secrets can help. Phone Sex Secrets offers help and advice for PSOs, including articles on everything from Phone Sex 101 and industry news to marketing to how to build your business. White papers are available for purchase and immediate download including the exclusive Phone Sex Secrets caller survey results, in which nearly 5,000 paying phone sex clients answer questions designed to help you drive your business. Personalized consultation services are also available. Lynn has been featured on Chicago's WGN Radio, ABC's Good Morning America, and elsewhere. She's ready to stand behind you and teach you how to become a phone sex superhero. You can find Lynn on Twitter at Phone Sex Secrets. That's at Phone Sex Secrets. And her website is PhoneSexSecrets.info. Again, that's PhoneSexSecrets.info. You can feel it. Alrighty. You can feel it. Are you ready 
to drop down to your knees at the feet of an alluring and sensual goddess? Do you dream being dominated by a powerful domino? A domino that will take control of your secret desires and fetishes? Would you like to experience deep entrancement? If you have answered yes to any of these questions, visit me, Goddess B. Leo at www.dominabrandelia.com or visit my other media portals designed to titillate the senses at hypnoticlear on Twitter. So sensually hypnotic you can feel it already. already. So sensually hypnotic you can feel it. I am laughing because I, while the the um, spots are on, I'm checking on things. So I I'm laughing. Sorry, Master Blackrod, you can say that you were mentioned again. <laughs> he just said on Twitter my name was mentioned around the 11 minute mark. Thanks. But <laughs> something you guys just cracked me up. You guys have been cracking me up all day. When I said I was mentioning people on tonight's show. I had like three or four women go, oh, my God, am I going to be on the show? What's going on? I said, okay, call everybody. Stand down. <laughs> I'm just mentioning you. You don't have to worry. You guys are cracking me up tonight, I swear to God. Anywho, oh, and by the way, um, in case anyone is interested, Anna's Your Escape will totally fuck a unicorn. So <laughs> there's weird shit going on in the chat room. You really should come over here. Anywho, I believe that we have some marvelous guests here. And just remember, if you have questions about intersex, that's what Sadie and Marguerite are here for. So give us a call, 657-383-0031. We are obviously happy to help you out in any way we can. That's what we're here for. You've heard her on In Bed on our show on transgender. She's a very talented mistress who I've watched blossom into not just being an amazing human in her own right and a sane voice in an insane world, but she is also now an advocate for the LGBTQI community. And joining her is another strong voice in the BDSM community. She sits on the board at DonCon and works tirelessly promoting the BDSM community and our rights within the rest of society. Please welcome to the show, Sadie Sin and Mistress Marguerite. Hi, you guys. Hi. Hi. <laughs> thank you for having me oh, again. You are yeah, very welcome. Thanks for having us. Yay. I am so glad you're here. So yep. let's start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Sadie into the spotlight first. And I am going to say let's get us started. I have so many people who have been writing me going, what is intersex? Please tell us, what is intersex? Um, intersex is basically um, much like uh, sexuality has a spectrum and gender identity has a spectrum, biological sex has a spectrum. Um, and if you fall in between male or female or have some sort of variation, um, you would be in the intersex category. 
Um, usually this happens through chromosomal, autosomal, or hormonal variations. Um, that basically affects different things in development um, that make people a bit different. There's things like uh, CAH, where you have uh, women with XX chromosomes that grow clitorises that are so big they can penetrate. Um, And there's all sorts of other things. But does it have to Uh, automatically, sorry, Sadie, does it have to automatically be associated with a genetic anomaly, like a physiological uh, anomaly, or can it be a feeling of not fitting? Oh, it's it's physiological. Okay. Like um like for me, like obviously I grew a B cup when I was like eleven or twelve years old. Um okay. so I was like a thirty six B, thirty four B. Um but the the probably my other biggest oddity um is the fact that I have a very, very, very long taint, like five inches long. Mm-hmm. And then the whole way the tissue is there, it's, like, super sensitive, almost like a proto-clitoris. And actually, like, really? I, okay. I'm capable of having certain kinds of orgasms that come from there and not my um, prostate or not my penis. Okay. So there's just what? there's differences. Like I've... So it's not really – so we're not talking a hermaphrodite where, who has both sets, or could we? Um. The classical answer to that is no. I mean, if you wanted to throw okay. out a hypothetical one in a billion, um, it's possible that someone could be a chimera, and basically they would be a semi-Siamese twin. But okay. in general, most people have one of either a penis or a vagina, because um, that's basically the same tissue that develops one way or another, and they'll have right. testes or ovaries, or what you call an ovotesty, which is actually a percentage ovary and a percentage testy. Um, but you, you typically have two or one, so you don't typically see, um, like you wouldn't see someone with a penis and a vagina. Um, but you might see, some, see a weird, like, um, incomplete one or the other. Okay. Um, so in your case, that's, that's kind of when you're talking the taint, in case everybody's wondering, that's also known as your perineum. Yeah. Your perineum is longer <laughs> than what most yes. people's would be. And for those of you who still don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, the soft part between the testicles and the anus. Yep. That nice piece that's in there, which is normally, obviously, what, what would you say, like a couple of inch? Why are you laughing, Marguerite? I'm just uh, saying, that, I'm I mean, trying I to point this I out, because long. there's people that don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> half like, the uh, people don't know. I know all about the people that don't know. So, I mean, I'm more into chicks. In so your really case, agree. it's longer, <laughs> and it, does yes. that give them the indication that it actually should have been a vaginal opening? No. I, well, actually, I have no idea. I, I actually, I've had like an, an initial intake appointment um, with the uh, University of Iowa Hospital, and mm. I am waiting for my endo appointment, which was because of so many people with diabetes, if they go to the same kind of doctor, um, it was a six-month wait. So that's not till June. It's for my initial intake with uh, endocrinologist. Right. 
And, and what do once you, think you that find that this out, sorry, go ahead. Like why do why Audrey? why do you think there's such a, a long waiting between like when you could go in and and get this taken care of? Uh, because diabetics also go to endocrinologists a lot, and there is a lot of people with diabetes right now. Mm. Um, so well, endocrinologists really are insanely busy. They really are. Yes. There's yeah. a lot of hormonal yeah. issues going on, and they also handle a lot yes. of stuff with. Um, viruses and shit too so they would mm-hmm. be insanely busy and you so yeah. you, oh so so we go to the endocrinologist and what are we going to try and find out um for me i'm going to be asking for a dna karyotype test and what that basically does is gives a picture of my chromosomes um and from that it can depending on what my chromosomes come back as, we can further diagnose things. And there will also be indicators in there that will test to see if I have what's called a mosaic DNA, where I have, it's one of the two conditions you can have where you actually have two different kinds of DNA. Okay. So, and by two different kinds of DNA, are we talking two different kinds of, um, like, sex, sexual portions of the DNA? Is that what we're talking about? Or two different, um, different types of DNA with uh, with a, a mosaic you're there's kind of limited in the variations it can have but like I could hypothetically have XXY chromosomes and XY okay. chromosomes um, but with a chimera it could be anything um, and I do have a friend that's a chimera so I kind of understand a little bit more about it no one knows how many chimeras there are. It's really hard to judge, and it's really hard to actually um, diagnose. Well, let's kind go of back over this again. Okay, so what makes someone chimera? A chimera is, yeah, two different forms of DNA, and basically there was two fetuses. There was fraternal twins, and something happened, and they conjoined, and they completely conjoined. And so you can have so It's almost DNA. like a parasitic twin. Um, well, what happens is whatever part of the body that that absorbs to, that part of the body can have that DNA from the other fetus. Um, there was a case of a woman, and this is, if you want to look up and see one example of this, there's a woman, and the only other DNA from the fetus she had were her eggs. And there was a paternal suit, and as part of the paternal suit, they had to do a DNA test, and her DNA didn't match her kids. And it was kind of a big deal. Um, she almost right. lost her kids over it. And it was like over a year before they finally tested her egg DNA because all the other DNAs they were testing was coming back the same as hers, and then her egg DNA was different. God damn, that's going to come up. And, wow. like, this is crazy as far yeah. as when we're getting into like, – this is even crazy for murder cases. Because um, no one's discussing really the rare, fact though. that people have, yeah. if you have two different types of DNA in you, she almost lost her kids. This is the kind of stuff yeah. that can per- happen. Perspective, as of, I think, 2005, there was 45 known cases of chimeras living and dead. That's it? I know it's exploded since wow. then. I think it's in the, it's probably, I think it's right now, like one in 100,000 um, wow. But still, it's, it's really hard to guess. 
And then the other side of this is you have like micro microchimerism, which is something completely different. That's not an intersex condition. Um, when you're in the womb, you do share some DNA with your mother, and it's mm-hmm. possible for some of that genetic information to remain. And that's what mm-hmm. uh, something called microchimerism is. Right. So uh, in the case, okay, of you, know, you find out. Mom. Sorry, go ahead. It's, so it's kind of like you, uh, the, the fetus absorbs part of its mom, which, like, let's say it's like a, a male fetus, fetus, it would absorb part of its mom, making it a uh, chimera. Is that what you mean? It'd be a micro chimera. It would actually have almost no effect huh. on your life at all. Huh, um, interesting, it, interesting. It's just, you know, we're, you can almost look at genetic information like a hard drive, and sometimes just because, you know, your mom's blood's going through you too, there's going to be shed genetic right. information that goes somewhere, uh-huh. and how much difference that actually right. makes, no one really knows, but we don't really know that much about the human body. I mean, yeah. otherwise we wouldn't be having this <laughs> we show really anyway. Don't. We really, really don't. Don't ever think that your doctor is a know-all-be-all because he's not. He's an educated guesser. That's oh. it. So in the case, okay, so let's let's look at you because I think it's easier yeah. to talk to you because you're 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 here. <laughs> For one, yep. we know we have your brain to pick. <laughs> so therefore, you find out that you have cross DNA or you have some other form of DNA. So we find this out. How does that have a bearing on you? Well, from then it will it will either directly tell me, like if it comes back XXY, then obviously I'm XXY or XXY Klein filters, um, which I do have a lot of indicators for that that group of variations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have some other stuff going on, like I have a chronic pain condition, I have autoimmune issues. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a lot of other stuff going on. So it, it, when when I kind of had that moment where a friend pulled me aside and was like, you know, you're intersex, and I started looking at stuff, it, a lot of it was just mm-hmm. kind of a halo moment of, like, all of a sudden everything makes sense and there's a cause. And so it might, if nothing else, for me, just understanding like understanding okay. my own body. I mean, right. you know, most people get to know what they are at birth because they've got like a little birth certificate. You know, they don't find out when they're like 39 years old. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Well, what, so how, do, how does this have an effect on you being transgender? Um, I think the biggest thing for me is how I am different than, let's say, a non-intersex trans woman is, there are, there's not a lot of us that are intersex trans women. The ones that I've kind of scoped out, I mean, we tend to have better transitions, but we tend to have other issues. Um, and, you know, like one of mine is I am structurally different down there. Is like, can mm-hmm. I have GCS? You know, is that possible? What is GCS? Or is there going to be side effects? Uh, gender, conf- gender confirmation surgery. Mm-hmm. Um so because I might be slightly anatomically different, it could cause complications right. because to dealing with a certain set of plumbing, for a lack of better words. Right. Um, but it's, and that makes you know, sense, me, that, it, like, that it would have bearing on the surgery. If that makes complete yeah. sense. Um, and I think, like, I had a lot of dysphoria, but my dysphoria was less based on gender, and I basically felt like an alien. Um, right. Just because I never – I didn't – fit in like 
um, because I grew boobs in junior high, I got bullied a lot for it. So I basically did breast binding for like 20 years. And that's not an experience most trans women are familiar with. So it's just a bit different, like just being really awkward with my own body. Yeah. Um, well, because you, it, it's like you're, like you said, you're stuck between two worlds. And you're kind of like, okay, yeah. I don't know which one I'm supposed to be picking. I don't, yeah. On top of that, how do you, I mean, here's, here's another one, though. How do we know that your breast tissue that grew was not just a case of gynecomastia? Well, that's literally what gynecomastia is. Okay, so that's it, it is still considered gynecomastia. It is. It is because it's basically having breast growth when you're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the big thing but with in this that case, is... You might have been supposed to. That's my point. Oh, it Maybe is. I mean, because you know, of you this, look... you were supposed to. Like, this is my point. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like anything's wrong. That's just yeah. how it was supposed to grow. Yeah. So my point is, how do we know uh, these poor kids aren't being, oh, kids just got gynecomastia, we'll just, you know, suck out the breast tissue, which is what everybody seems to do, throw yourself in front of a, you know, um, plastic surgeon, well, and we'll just fix it. I I'm just a... worried that kids are going to end up being, like, just nobody's allowing them to grow and become what they need to become first. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Definitely agree. I mean, you know, but but that's not a problem with, you know, that's not a physical problem. That's a social problem. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I I think it's everything. It's everything thrown into a giant ball, which is is a horrible thing to have to go through. It is. And, like, I'm, I'm really glad, even though I had some, like, really traumatic experiences, that I didn't have a mastectomy, but the other side of it I look at as too um, is I would, there's almost an argument that if I, my gender identity was male, I would have to take male hormones or I'd have to take testosterone because I'm not fully viralized. Like my right. all puberty development stopped for me pretty much at like 13. Um and I'd have to have a mastectomy. So regardless of what gender identity I chose, if I chose one that was male or female, I'd have to have surgery and be on hormones for the rest of my life. And I think that's almost a definition that if I was identified as male or female, either way I'd be trans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just a different, it's just, a lot of it just depends on how you look at it. And a lot of it depends on like the variation in your body. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I've actually kind of run with like hermaphrodite and like reclaiming it is because my body literally has the space for a vagina or clitoris without removing anything. So, and they used to describe intersex people as hermaphrodites or pseudo hermaphrodites. I mean, that was literally like medical definitions. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's where, people then misconstrue that with some of the like Greek statues from back in the day. And that's where the idea of people having both, um, both sets of genitalia came from. And what, what is the infant conforming genital mutation or sorry, mutilation? 
Okay, so I, I think the most Because this to me is horrifying. Idea. I'm sorry. This oh. to me is horrifying because you're – there are no words. Like, just to me, there are no words. You, you can't force someone to be something because you're uncomfortable. I, I don't know. I just – to sit there and go, <laughs> okay, I'm, I've decided my baby today is going to be a girl, so let's just make her a girl. Like, are you kidding me? Um. Dr. Money, he was a doctor at James Hopkins, came up with this idea, um, I want to say in the early 60s, and it was that gender was a construct, um, and that in the case of intersex babies, you could do surgery, tell the infant that they were that gender, and everything would just be perfectly okay. Now we know that is not the case, but... No, yeah people still do it. In fact, his, I'm very unfortunately very sad. His first case, um, I can't remember the individual's name. They commit suicide in 2004. Um, mm-hmm. ba- basically what the idea here is, is you'll have a doctor look at your genitalia when you're born. And from what other perspective their gender is, they'll look at it as, Will that develop into something I'd like to fuck with, or will that develop into something I'd like to fuck? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a crude way to look at it, but when you boiled it down any other way, that's what it is. To mm-hmm. A baby that is like five, you know, maybe five minutes old, and then they'll talk to their parents about a non-necessary um, cosmetic procedure. Now, mm-hmm. there, there is something that has to be mentioned. There are some ch- children born with intersex conditions that do require immediate surgery, but that is minority. Most of these surgeries are purely cosmetic, and they're basically mm-hmm. like in the, in the case of um, little girls born with uh, congenital adrenal hypoplasia, CAH, which is the most common intersex condition, they're cutting off their clitorises. Okay, so... So describe what that is. Remember, people I listening mean, don't know what that is. Um, so baby born, and what am I looking at? Five a day in the United States alone. Um, but what am I looking at when my child's born? Are we looking at like a, an enlarged clitoris if it's a female, that kind of thing? Um, yes. Uh, in the case of CH, it would be an enlarged clitoris. Um, okay. I think... Uh, for an adult, I think the current record, um, at least I've heard, was like four inches flaccid. Um, there's the, the, the androgen insensitivity syndrome, and with mm-hmm. complete AIS, it would appear that they had a vagina, but with partial AIS, it can be varying stages in between. Um, and that can be like the your ureter, the pee hole, being on like the bottom side of the penis, or being in various positions where it's not supposed to be. Um, okay. And there's a whole bunch of other different little variations where you'll end up with situations like it's a micro penis, and the um, I believe it was the ISNA made this card that showed the links that the doctors used to use that were, if there was something sticking out and it was less than this inch, it got cut off and they'd be girls. And if it was more than this, they'd be boys. 
Um, and, of course, they never had that card, but it was just a reference of how arbitrary this was. I mean, they you know, had no idea. They just kind of take their best guess, and, you know, this could be anyone. This could be at a doctor at a hospital in New York City. This could be a doctor at some hospital in the backcountry of Wyoming who's never seen this before. Yeah. You know, so they're just going to go in and start hacking away because they have no idea what they're doing. And wow. the worst part about this is is, you know, we start thinking about modern surgeries, you usually wait till you're an adult to have surgery because you grow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have uh, someone I know that has gone through this, and just in the last few years, they've had three surgeries. Um, you and wow. like the average person that experiences intersex genital mutilation will end up with 20 or 30 surgeries a lot of which just to fix mistakes on the first one or to take into account the fact that they have scar tissue and the body grows, so they rip. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah and, like, um, yeah. you know, like the um, the person I know, they, they described it as they don't call it a vagina. They call it a um, counterfeit vagina. And, like, one of the times they had to go to the doctor and literally, like, fallen out. Wow. Wow. So. And this is all just because we're playing God at the moment of birth, going, well, I think this looks yeah. pretty much boys, so we'll go with that. Yeah. Or this looks like a yeah. girl, we'll go with and, that. And, you know, we normalize, like, and, you know, the, th- the thing about it that really gets me frustrated is, you know, we have been normalizing, you know, mutilating our children for, like, forever. I mean, just look at circumcision. I mean, if you think about things like even circumcision, like it's not a necessary procedure, but there are people that will still insist that it's necessary. And, you know, we do that so normally that, like, we have our children and we decide, you know, whether or not they should have their foreskin. We make that decision. And so Mm -hmm. those same people with that attitude, when they're faced with a child that has genitals that are different than what they expected – they feel like it's okay for them to make that decision because, you know, I mean, circumcision is, you know, uh, a decision that people should be able to make as an adult, but it's such a normal thing for parents to make that decision for babies that, you know, when this issue came up, I imagine it was very easy to just transition into that decision. And I think a lot of it sometimes also comes with shame, with the parents, our child yeah. is not yeah. perfect. Therefore, we have to pick something. We have to do something. Right. We have to make sure that this child somehow blends in. And that's, I think that's really, it's, you know, it puts pressure on the parents. But if everybody would, like I said, just chill. Literally, mm-hmm. chill. That, if, if you guys know that show I Am Jazz? It's on no. PLC. It's it's about um, a transgender um, young lady who's, I don't know, what is she, 15, 16, something like that, who is trying desperately to get her reassignment surgery. And I just think she's too young. I'm not saying don't do it, but I think you need to allow the brain to finish developing, which doesn't even happen till 22. What about the rest of her body growing? Can you actually do that surgery on such a young body? 
it just to me it just seems like you're putting a lot of pressure on this child to have to have mm-hmm. this surgery what right away. Well, well who's again probably for the sake this, of TV. I mean, First of all, who's making the decision? And then second of all, like, you know, not... The child is making the decision in this case, which I think is wrong. Like, let let the child grow a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the process of getting, uh, like, the surgery, uh, gender confirmation surgery, um, depending on what standards, if it's the WPATH standards, they'll be required to see two uh, therapists, um, like fully licensed therapists, and they will both have to sign off on it as well as um, like their doctor and the doctor doing the surgery. I think that the two biggest concerns should be able to be addressed by their doctor, which is, you know, their mental well-being and, mm-hmm. you know, the physical status. You know, everyone develops in puberty at a different rate. And, True. Um, you can actually, there's actual stages, uh, Tanner stages of development. And once they've had, I think, making sure that there's full development so you have enough tissue to work with could be an issue, but that's also going to be an issue where their doctors know. Um, I know that uh, I think they typically want trans women to be on hormones at least a year, but, you know, with how long it takes to get into surgery and, and such, you know, realistically it's three years. Um because they want you to live full-time for a year, and then you can mm-hmm. schedule surgery. And just depending on how long the wait is, it could end up being a lot longer than that. So, you know, in, in theory, it could be people hemming and hawing, but by the time uh, the actual surgery rolled around, um, there's a good chance it could be past 18 anyway. That's true. I just think, to yeah. me... If the if the child's brain has not finished developing, nor their body, allow that to happen first before you make these very huge drastic decisions. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah. But well, I mean, but you're also not you know that that type of a doctor that works you know with these. Oh yeah, exactly. So, I'm assuming you know, that their doctors know what they're doing. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that's a really dangerous thing to do. That's a really, you know, that's that's a dangerous thing to do to just, you know, like form opinions about things without actually having the information. Just, you know, like, you know, saying things like, well, I I think she should wait until her her brain develops. Well, there are a lot of things you don't know. You don't know (laughs) what sort of, you know, physical ailment she's dealing with. You don't know what sort of, you know, hurdles she's dealing with. And you don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, just like Sadie was saying, you know, talking about the different levels of maturity. So, you know, I think it's really important that we do have to make sure that we're educating ourselves and really getting proper information before we form opinions. You know, we have to be objective and acknowledge that we don't, we're not entitled to have opinions about everything. You know, true. Especially if we're not, we don't have the facts. Yeah. That's very true. It, in all likelihood, though, if they have, because it's it's mainly like, and having like precocious puberty is an intersex thing where you develop puberty early and tend to mm. prematurely end development or finish early. In all likelihood, they'd probably still be undergoing significant development. And with surgery down there, you don't want to still be growing. I mean, yeah. that's where you get into, like, a lot of the situations with uh, the intersex genital mutilation is it's the growing that pre- is one of the things that presents complications. 
as you have those suture lines that have little scars that really aren't shouldn't stretch, but they have to stretch because you're growing. Yeah. So. So, so let's talk a little bit about some of the struggles that an intersex individual faces in day-to-day living, such as having to deal with what I just said, having to deal with the medical community, all of that. What What are some of the things that they have to deal with? Obviously, um, opinions are one of them. I, I think a lot of it depends. I mean, I, I think every individual that's intersex is going to have something slightly different. Um, even people with the same conditions will have slightly different issues just because of how it expressed or different interventions mm-hmm. they may or may not have had. Um, but the biggest thing is basically being a person that's kind of complicated. You know, you can't just be like, well, yeah, I'm intersex. It's like, you know, do you have 10 minutes? This is going to take a bit. Um, um, And then, you know, for some of us, it's like the side effects. It's, you know, I have to um, be careful with what I'm doing. Like, I have really good strength for short periods of time, but I can't, like, do the same repetitive thing over and over again for, like, two hours. Um, So what people need to to understand is, is that this isn't just a genital issue. In other words, this is not just a malformation issue. This comes along, depending on the individual, with a whole host of other issues, like you said, like autoimmune. There's all kinds of things that can be thrown in this, right? Right. I think right now I'm up to a possible symptom list of like 19 separate symptoms. Right. Oh wow. I was going through different stuff because I like had I had pneumonia and was hospitalized like two, three, and four, and I had like almost every disease known. Just like I had like every weird sickness when I was a kid because I had a suppressed immune system. Um, right. And so there's all sorts of weird little things like that. Like I have almost no Adam's apple. Um, where were some of the weird things? My eyes have a really slight tilt. There's a whole like. It's kind of weird, like, going through it all. But for me, it was good, too. It was, like, figuring out and going through a lot of different memories I hadn't gone through. I'd blocked out, and a lot of shit I'd actually blocked out, and I didn't realize it. Um, just because, you know, boys are not supposed to have boobs. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what um, is it like? It, like? I'm just trying to think. It's easier for you as an adult to be able to sit back and go, okay, now I can look back at things and now all of this is clicking. But what if someone is just, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, they don't even know what they're dealing with. What should they do? Like, what if they're stuck in this position where, because clearly, does even the whole medical community know about this? Could, they, no, could you not no. go to a GP and they go, what are you talking about? I, I have a, a long list of doctors, including a therapist that was transgender, that I came to about symptoms that should have been like a flashing like red light that I was intersex, and they just told me stuff right. like I'm fat or lazy or whatever. So I, yeah. I think if you do feel like you're intersex, 
it's important to do a little research, but you should go to a doctor. Um, there, there's the information out there is really bad. There's a lot of conditions that claim to have cancer or cancer-related things, and it's complete bullshit. Um, but some actually do have cancer, so it, it's it's important to find the right place that's going to treat you like a human being. Um, I know, like in for me, I've had a good experience at University of Iowa. I know of another person that hasn't. Um, I tried to go to the Mayo Clinic, and I had a horrible experience just in trying to get an appointment with them. So wow. it, it's, it depends. I mean, I think if you're in, like, California or the, either of the coast, you're pretty golden. Um, when you get more in the Midwest, it can be – you have to be a little more careful. But there's still really good places yeah. out there. Wow. It just – because this is why I say don't always go with – what your doctor is telling you and always, always, always get second and third opinions. And if you're not hearing what you need, yeah. you think yeah. is right, keep finding another doctor. Where's a good resource yeah. for someone yeah. who feels at their intersects? What, how did they find a doctor that's going to listen? Um, Are I there resources that, anywhere? Not, not really. Um, it, it was, it was kind of one of the sh- shocking things. So after I had my, my intersex moment and then I go to Google and I look at intersex stuff and I'm someone that's dealt with my, I've been transitioning for a long time. Um, the tra- mm-hmm. I've seen the trans community change dramatically from when I consider my transition for starting and I go and start looking for intersex stuff and there's like nothing. Um, right. There is nowhere near the resources for the intersex community as there is for like the trans community. Um, right. There's a couple websites. Um, OII-USA.org is a good one. Um, and I did link on my Twitter uh, the OII uh, Intersect Guidelines, and it has some really good resources on it. Um, but anymore, most universities have a good queer clinic because most liberal universities are still good bastions for the queer community while they're in college. So they're oftentimes mm-hmm. yeah. a good resource. Um but there's also, you know, you can meet people online. Sometimes they'll they'll be able to direct you. But there's not really a lot of us in – I shouldn't say there's not really a lot of us. There's 1.9% of the population is intersex. But before Which is it was actually pretty large. It is. It's the same as redheads, natural redheads. That's wow. Um, but here's the difference. It was 1 in 2,000. 1 in 2,000 – people are born with what we call intersex genitalia or ambiguous genitalia, but intersex genitalia mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. And that's just a genitalia that's different. Um, so whereas like my genitalia, it might be a little different, but it's still like I have a, I have a penis and um, a scrotum and probably testes. So um, I was assigned male at birth, pretty much no questions asked. Uh, but I definitely have some differences in my body. And, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing with a lot of other people. It, it's, you don't necessarily have to have uh, intersex genitalia to be considered intersex because it's a spectrum. So there's all sorts of spaces and gaps in the spectrum. And some of those anomalies, even the physiological anomalies, you may not even physically see, right? They could be more internalized, could Correct. they not? Yeah. 
Correct. So the, don't assume just average, because your genitalia is fine to you, if you're still feeling something's off, investigate it. <laughs> yeah, and here's kind of the freaky part is the average age for a person figuring out their intersex is probably between 25 and 40. And that's I, even amongst again, people I, I that have had operations. It takes a while to figure this out. It would, and with there it being does. no information... And it's, um, I mean, I, like for me, the way I feel about it is I feel gaslighted by the medical community. Um, so I don't have, I don't always trust doctors. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like they're doing it on purpose, but. No, but I understand. I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent. You have to guess everything. I had, you know, great relationships with doctors up until I was probably, well, up until puberty. I mean, um, and then after that, I just noticed that doctors really wouldn't listen to me. They'd, like, roll their eyes. <laughs> and I'd had, like, and I, I understood basic anatomy. You know, I, I had enough knowledge to be able to speak with doctors and communicate my own body and, like, whatever. <laughs> wow. And, and you but, know, that's you know, the thing that drives me crazy about doctors is they don't listen to you and it's you know i've only been living with this body my whole life i think i know when something's wrong yeah <laughs> i know yeah. oh no don't be silly oh okay uh, I, i've got uh the the doctor i went to at the university of iowa was amazing i've got a uh, PA I'm going to here now that's like straight out of school or not PA, uh, an osteopath and he's amazing so he was so again, um, he wanted looking. to get in family medicine but he's gay and so all of a sudden he was like you're going to be the queer doctor and I was like okay but he's um, <laughs> he's actually really excited because I'm the first trans woman that he's doing hormones for so that's really oh, cool good. So Marguerite, now how do we how do we yeah. be a good ally to an intersex individual? Well, you know, I, I you know, I talk about being an ally all the time and you know, in all different sorts of circumstances. And you know, the first thing that really any ally needs to take into consideration is that they need to educate themselves. And I say educate yourself for a number of reasons, because, you know, one of the things that we tend to do now, Sadie, by the way, I want to say thank you so much for being so open and, you know, really volunteering so much of this information. I think that's really, first of all, I think it's really brave and I think it's really personal stuff that you're sharing. And so I really appreciate that. But I want to urge people to, you know, not necessarily, you know, ask people questions because these aren't, not everybody is comfortable talking about these sorts of things. And if you're going to, you know, if you're asking somebody a question, you're taking from them. You're expecting them to give you an answer, and you're putting them in a position where they might not want to answer those questions, or those questions might be, the answers might be a little traumatic. So when we ask people questions that are personal, that we really don't have any business asking them, we're essentially asking them to rip off their band-aids for the satisfaction of our curiosity. And if right. we didn't have other resources, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Talk to people, ask questions. But we have resources. You could read people's accounts, people who wanted to share their stories and their accounts on the Internet. You could read the, you know, the medical journals. 
You could read, you know, a, a whole wide world of answers to your questions. So it's really important to educate yourself instead of expecting somebody to just tell you everything about themselves. You know, don't expect people to, you know, open up so much. It's none of your business. And, you know, another thing, too, when intersex, you know, topics come up, people always want to talk about genitals. It's none of your business. Mm -hmm. If somebody wants Mm -hmm. to tell you about their genitals, that is them being generous. It's not your business. You shouldn't be asking anybody anything about their sex life, anything about their genitals, anything about their bodies. Those are questions that you should be allowing people to volunteer and medical you know, the reason doctors aren't allowed to talk about, you know, their patients is because there's confidentiality. And that's because that's the type of thing that should be private. So, you know, educate yourself rather than going to people and trying to get questions out of them. And then, um, you know, the other thing I really want to say is be careful when you're going into spaces that you're not taking up too much space. You know, Sadie's working really, really hard trying to figure out about, you know, uh, intersex in general, you know, her own body, you know, uh, all these other things, gender identity, all these other things. It's not Sadie's responsibility to teach me what she needs me to do. I can observe the situation. I could listen to what the problems are, and I could figure out for myself, not what does Sadie have to do, but what I can do. What can I do based on what I just heard, what I just experienced, and what I'm witnessing and what I'm learning? How can I come up with an idea of my own and a plan of my own and execute it without draining Sadie of any of that energy that could be spent elsewhere? You know what I'm saying? Which means, okay, again, that goes back to educate yourself prior to. Yeah. And it isn't the easiest yeah. thing to do is to just look at them and say, if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here. It's that simple. Yeah, You don't have exactly. to make anyone talk and that's about it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a great way you, you phrase it because you, you gave something. Remember I was saying before when you ask a question, you're taking yep. it from somebody? When you make a statement, you're giving to someone. You're giving them information. So when you say something like that, if you ever want to talk, I'm here, you're giving that to them. You're not expecting anything from them. And believe it or not, that's what prompts people to talk sometimes. That's very true because now you're, 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 re- you're removing that wall of, well, now I have to give back to you. Well, now I'm right, now I'm exactly. open to giving back to you instead of you demanding yeah. to give back to me. Yeah, like people ask me a personal question. Even my Uber driver, if my if my Uber driver says, "So where are you going right now?" I say, "Listen, that's a personal question. It's none of your business. It's enough you know where I live." You don't have to die. And it's funny, we we live in this world of instant everything. We have you know social media, whatever. Everybody shares. So much. Stop yeah. it. First of all, no one cares. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that, you know, your dog just pooped on the floor, nobody cares. Okay, just say. Yeah. And we really do share too much as far as I'm concerned. So I agree with you. Yeah, but I mean, the other thing is, like, we, you know, we take too much. Like, we ask too many questions. Like, people shouldn't yep. be asking as many questions and, and personal questions. You shouldn't be asking anybody a personal question. I've had so many times 
where I'd be in the middle of talking about, you know, just the weather. Then I'd mention, you know, let's say I'm dating a girl at the time. I'll mention my girlfriend. And then now this stranger that I met 30 seconds ago is asking me about my use of dildos, even though they oh don't my know God. anything about me other than how I think the weather and the fact that I have a woman in my So it's like, you know, and this, it's such a natural thing for people to just dive in and ask questions. You know, people, I'm also very active with, you know, uh, you know, terms of abuse and sexual assault. People are always asking me, well, were mm-hmm. you raped? It's none of your fucking business. It's none mm-hmm. of your business. And you shouldn't be asking anybody. And, you know, listen, it's great that there's a platform for people to talk, you know, with this Me Too movement. It's great for there to be platforms. But don't expect people to want to use that platform. People can be private about these things as well. You're, you're entitled to your privacy. Precisely, which means you don't, and this is what I mean by when you see you go out, like just what you said about your Uber driver. Oh, you know, nice yeah. weather. Why do we instantly feel that we have to answer the question? It's almost like right. we've become, because of this whole social media crap, yeah. it's like, well, if someone asks you a question, you have to answer it, otherwise you're rude. No, yeah, you there's this whole thing with, like, <laughs> You know, you you know, you're yeah. I mean, it's because people don't like to tell people. People don't take no for an answer. Well, you know what I mean. People don't like to be told no. So when people are told no, they react very poorly. And so you know, you got to sort of. It, it, sometimes it does take being a little brave to be. You know, well, you otherwise have a backbone to say no. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but it's, it's actually it feels good. It's not for everybody. For some people, it doesn't feel good. That's why they say yes. No, I know, but I'm just saying you got to get used to it. you got to get used to saying no. Once you get used to saying no, it gets easier, and then you'll have fun with it. That's right. I mean, that's how I feel. Robin just said um, in the chat room, she said she just met a new neighbor today. He asked me if I'm Jewish. I told him I don't talk about religion with people I don't know. Like, really? Yeah. You don't even know the person, and you're delving into, are you Jewish? Why? What do you care? And you know, and we ask these questions so that we can make judgments about people. You know, yeah. even though they're not like, and and that's why it's such a and that's why it's such a, an offensive thing to do to just point blank ask a stranger something like that because it is so obviously your way of making. You know, you want to know a lot of things about those things. If you want to know if somebody's Italian, you want to know if they know about lasagna and if they speak Italian and you know what neighborhood they're from and things like that. You know, you want to know you're assigning all this other information to a person based on how they answer a question. Exactly. A question that you really don't have to answer. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, so what would you say is the number one thing? Just do what we previously said. Educate yourself. Just listen. Just listen. And And, listen. Educate yourself and listen. That's it. Yeah, and and when you're looking information it's important you know to look at at, try to find non-biased information and you know when you're looking on on the internet because everybody could publish stuff there what you really want to look for is you want to look for articles and writings that have a an author attached to it that you could look the author up you want to make sure that Mm -hmm. authors never been accused of plagiarism or flip-flopping contradicting or being bought so that's just an easy, easy Google search. I mean, people are always writing about journalists, so if you have an author. And then the other thing you want to look for is you want to look for sources within a piece of writing. You want to see where they got their information. So if they don't have sources, 
you want to be able to find bits of information that you can verify. I call it verifiable information, such as dates, full names, you know, uh, places, cities, you know, very specific information that you could, you know, you could actually look up and verify. If somebody is vague about something and they just have like a first name and sometime in August in a town in, you know, New Jersey, then, you know, don't put much weight in the opinions in those pieces and try to just look for the facts so that you could form your own opinion. And that's why I say educate yourself, because if you're looking for the information, you're going to be able to find the information that's relevant to you. Because, again, this, this, this isn't a one-size-fits-all thing. None of it right. is. None of sexuality right. of any kind, whether we're talking gender, whatever it is, no two people are the same. That is They're going to be going to different experiences. They will have, you know, lived through things that someone else might not have. The other thing I notice about research is if you're doing research online, yes, definitely do everything that Marguerite said. Always check your sources. However, sometimes, and it's probably not so much with intersex because like we were just saying, there's, there's, there's info out there. There's just not a lot of it. See what's prevalent. In other words, if something keeps repeating itself in all the information you're reading through, then that possibly yeah. that is real. That's possibly real. So you've got to use your head. Okay, if this keeps coming up, even though it's coming from a crappy source, maybe we're on to something. There's a trend here. So it's another yeah. way of looking exactly. stuff up. Yeah, you know, you look at the whole picture. It's like, you know, crappy writers do write good stuff sometimes. Everybody tries. Well, is there yeah. anything else you guys want to make sure gets said? Well, if no, I was to recommend I'm... one book. Um, okay. I know on Go the Intersex sure. Guidelines, I, I posted some uh, Intersex Guidelines on my Twitter. Um, I also just posted a link to a book uh, written by Ida Valoria, who has uh, congenital adrenal hypoplasia. Um, that's their intersex variation, and they're just a really awesome individual. Um, they've spent time as a sex worker. They've done kink. They're super queer. Um, they've been to Burning Man. And the book's really awesome when it explores, um, you know, the intersex individual also throwing in, like, non-binary and gender fluid in the mix, too. Um, so what is the name of the book? And, um, Born Both. Born Both. Born Both. Nice. Yep. And it's by who? And, just, and I'll make sure it's up on the website. Uh, Ida Valora. Uh, Perfect. We'll make Ida, sure we get that H-I-D-A. up on the website. So you'll be able to just awesome. pop right onto the website and click a link, and we will get it for you. No problem. Yeah. Marguerite, anything you want? you have any last words? No, uh, that's it. I mean, if you guys want to find me, I'm at madammarguerite.com. You know, I'm, um, you know, I, I do I do this sort of thing with people all the time, you know, counseling and, and, you know, helping people with transitions and, you know, really exploring their sexuality is something that I'm, you know, I'm passionate about. It's something that I think is really important. So, and I think it's important that we keep creating these safe spaces. And so, you know, that's what we do. Awesome. Sadie, what about you? Where can we find you? Um uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my advocate Twitter is sadiesin.com. Or not Sadie, at Sadiesin. 
my sex worker Twitter is uh, intersexdom, D-O-M-M-E. And then my website for um, booking and such is intersexdominatrix.com. And we'll make sure all of those links are up there so that you guys can get in touch with Sadie or Marguerite anytime you want. Thank you guys very, very much for sharing everything you you shared tonight. Sadie, oh, my God, the fact that you are so open, just like Marguerite said, you, you have no idea the impact that you are having on lives that you don't even see. So thank you for being so open and so honest and like she said that it's beyond brave that you're willing to share what you have yeah. shared with us tonight and we appreciate it enormously for sure and thank you for giving me a platform always always um, here whenever either one of you want to talk which by the way marguerite will be on what are you on you are on in march april aren't you yes yeah, april, april the april. 17th yeah. i believe is it the 17th off the top of my head <laughs> April seventeenth, yeah. <laughs> we are going to be talking animal play. Yay! Oh yeah, we're That's awesome. I'm very excited. That's going to be a blast. So you guys are going to want to listen to that one fun. for sure. But thank you guys very well, much for being so on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, you guys have a good night, ladies. Thank you guys. Honestly, it. it I. I am in awe of the people who come on my show because like I said, incredibly brave. I love the fact that everybody's willing to be open and share this because this is the only way that we can get past any kind of issues open. People fear what they do not know. Now you don't have to fear intersex. See, now you know what it is. So there you go. Anyways, thank you both you guys for advocating for all of us and for all the hard work both of you do in the BDSM community in out, everything that you guys do. If you want more information about intersex, you can find the links to intersexequality.com as well as OII, which is the organization Intersex International. That's what um, Sadie was talking about, which is the OII USA. Again, links are on the site. Definitely just head to In Bed with Dr. Sue. You'll find it right on the show page for intersex. Um, There's also a link there for Intersex Awareness Day, which is October 26th. So you can always get in touch with them because I'm quite sure that they could use some volunteer help to spread the word. On the next In Bed with Dr. Sue, my guest, as I said before, is going to be Mistress Mia Dark, as I said at the top of the show. So she will be sharing her expertise on giantess fetish, along with, like I said, corporal punishment and race play and a whole bunch of stuff. So be sure to be back here March the 20th at 10 p.m. There has been a ton of stuff going on over on the review. So since the last show, you're going to want to head over to the com, catch up on things such as our dominatrixes, sex workers, kink scams, and on Ask Dr. Sue, we had um, what women really want in penis size, clean up duty after a cuckold session, and being addicted to giving. So there's been a lot of talk going on over there. You're going to want to head out to thedrsuereview.com. Check out all that action. You can also head to Kinky Magazine at kinkymag, it's kink, the letter E, mag.com, and read my latest cuckolding article, Professional Bull or Professional Bullshit. Keep your eye, you know me, I'm rather blunt. 
keep your eyes open, my pets. There are predators everywhere, though. You really should read the article and educate yourself. So until next time, please be kind to one another. I want to thank everyone who is in the chat room tonight. We had Ryan, we had Robin and Anna and Marguerite and Polly Bell, and we had Wes there for a while. And I think that's everybody that was in today. So remember, celebrate your differences. But most of all, be happy. I love you guys. I will be back on March the 20th. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.